0: to another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host here with your co-host, Chris, the fantasy expert. Good to be back. And in today's show, we've got a sort of a fantasy football draft recap for the NFL draft. Uh, the NFL draft obviously happened last weekend, so we'll be recapping that, talking about some fantasy-relevant players, giving some would-you-rather scenarios for this podcast. We've also got a special guest on our show today. Uh, we got Luke Brown from The Next Network here. You can find his show on the Sportscaster app that's S-P-O-R-T-S-C-A-S-T-R, sportscaster, weekdays from 830 to 10. Luke, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's really a pleasure thanks, to thanks have
1: you. Ha- thanks for having me. Yeah, All right. Happy so, to be
0: here. yeah it's going to be fun. Let's get started. So um, we've got first some news to go over before we get into our draft recap. Obviously, since we recorded last, uh, Rob Gronkowski has been traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, along with a seventh-round pick in exchange for a fourth-round mm-hmm. pick. So, guys, what do you think about this move for fantasy? And do you think Rob Gronkowski is maybe a top eight tight end, top ten tight end for next year? What do you guys think?
2: I think this is a really good move by the Bucs. I don't know if we're going to see Gronk head into the top eight fantasy tight end place, but I think he could very likely be a tight end one. And he's a guy that is – I don't think he's necessarily necessarily a sleeper. I think that he could go a little high just because of that name recognition. But keep an eye out for him in your draft. Yeah, what about you, Luke?
0: What do you think about Gronk for 2020?
1: Um, I'm not entirely sure because I think that he's going to share time with the other tight end over there, O.J. Howard. They've said that they're not going to get rid of him anytime soon. But Rob Gronkowski, he he has had injuries, so the injury concerns are there. But he plays in a position where that's bound to happen. So I feel like he could be, uh, as Chris said, a guy to watch out for this season.
0: Yeah, I think mm-hmm. he's still going to be a fantasy-relevant player, but I think he can go overvalued in draft. I have him as my number 10 tight end in the rankings right now, and I also have an article on the site about him. You can check that out, sites.google.com slash views 2nd and goal fantasy But, yeah, I think, Luke, what you pointed out, the injury risk is a very valid point. He's missed many games over his career. I think he's missed 29 games due to injury, and uh, he's had some many, many brutal injuries, from concussions to torn ACL. So many different things have, uh, could slow him down, and tight end is a very brutal position. I think you should watch out for that in 2020 um, regarding fantasy. And so now we'll get into our draft recap. So we've picked out some players uh, from quarterback, running back, and wide receiver who we're going to talk about, and uh, we're going to give our thoughts on them in, in the 2020 fantasy season. First, we'll give sort of our overall thoughts and then some winners and losers in the draft. So uh, what are you guys' thoughts on the draft? Did it go well? I thought it went well. Um, what, do you, what did you guys think?
2: Yeah, I'm really glad that there were no glitches. I mean, I heard about the Bengals having trouble on their first pick in the, the practice run of the draft, and I think it all went pretty smoothly. I was pleased. I mean, I feel like it, there wasn't much change from when we normally see it, obviously, without the whole coronavirus going on. So it was really good. Yeah, I thought it was good. What did you think, Luke?
1: Oh, yeah, I certainly agree. Um it went pretty smoothly for what we could tell. There may have been some glitches that we didn't see and that they just went to the studio and kind of stalled. Actually, when the Ravens were selecting in the second round, the power went out in Jim in uh, John Harbaugh's house, excuse me, and they had to bring the power people in to fix that. So there were some mishaps that we may not have seen, but overall, it went pretty smoothly, and... Every, all 255 picks came out. So I would guess that's really all that matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, think, I mean, it was, oh, go ahead, Calvin. Oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. I, I
2: mean, it was a really interesting draft. I think we saw a lot of the really interesting picks from like someone like Jordan Love going to the Packers. And we saw some of the more expected picks like Joe Burrow and Chase Young. But overall, I think
0: it went really well. Yeah. And they did do a good job. As you said, Luke, the power people came to fix that glitch. So they had people on standby just in case something went wrong. Um, now we'll go into some winners and losers of the draft. So we've each picked out one winner and one loser um, for the NFL draft and for what teams we thought we did what, – that what, that did well, excuse me, and teams we thought that didn't do so well. So, Luke, we'll start with you. Who was your biggest winner um, for the – or one of your biggest winners for the NFL draft this year?
1: No, I have some bias here because I am a Denver Broncos fan, but I had to include – I feel like the Denver Broncos were a huge winner – in this year's draft they came in they needed a tight end and they certainly got one and they got some nice pieces on the offensive line to protect their rookie quarter or sophomore coming into a sophomore season drew Locke. so I feel like the Broncos were a big winner in this year's draft
0: yeah I think they did pretty well as well um Chris what do you think who was your winner for this year I had to go with the
2: Bucks just because I think they did a great job of getting some protection for Tom Brady. Obviously, the GOAT is heading to Tampa, and I think they, Tristan Wirfs fell a little, and I like that move by the Bucks to trade up a spot and grab him before he was gone. And then I think some of their later picks were also really good. They've helped some of the team needs, and they got some guys that I liked later in the draft. So I think they really did a good job of kind of getting what they needed and then getting some sleeper guys, some guys that have a chance to maybe break out.
0: Yeah, I think it was key for them, especially when signing Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, who are still two playmakers, even in their uh, age and injury-related issues. Uh, I put the San Francisco 49ers as my winner. And I think with a limited draft capital, I think they did a pretty good job trading back one pick to get Javon Kinlaw at 14 to replace DeForest Buckner, who they obviously traded away to the Indianapolis Colts for cap space. Then they drafted a wide receiver, Brandon Ayuk, at the end of the first round from Arizona State to fill a need there across from Debo. Um, so I think they did a pretty good job with the limited picks that they had, and so I think that justifies calling them a winner in this year's draft. But mm-hmm. now we'll go on to the losers, um, and Chris, we'll start with you this time. Who is your loser for the NFL draft? My loser, and I think this is
2: the most obvious, the Green Bay Packers. I mean, that pick of Jordan Love was just shocking. It kind of puts this weight on it kind of puts this tension in between the Packers organization. You could say kind of just having Jordan love and, you know, Aaron Rodgers probably isn't happy about this move. And then they draft another running back and it's just, it just seems really crazy to me. I mean, the running back pick makes more sense because Aaron Jones is in the final year of his contract, but I just don't think that they filled their needs. I think I don't necessarily love the players they got. I mean, Jordan Love is a solid quarterback, but they don't need him. I mean, Aaron Rodgers still has a few more le- years left. And I just
0: think that this was a really surprising draft pick, but not in a good way. Yeah, I think it's it was surprising and, yeah, like, mostly not in a good way. I can see the pick, but I feel like drafting in the first round a guy who you're not going to use for four years, like, that's not – a good use of a draft pick. I feel like they could have gotten someone maybe in a couple years who was going to replace Aaron Rodgers sooner rather than leaving him on the bench. Mm-hmm. Although we did see this kind of thing when Brett Favre was in Green Bay. They drafted Aaron Rodgers. Um, yeah, and
2: and then they still didn't even manage to get a receiver, which is shocking to me. I mean, they didn't take a single receiver in the draft and many people were saying that they didn't need that they uh needed one quite bad and I actually was one of the people that wasn't sure that they Really needed a receiver. I think Alan Laz- Lazard is going to step up this year. I think that he's going to have a surprising season. I, he actually cracked my top 60 for the season, so I think he's a good late round flyer. But I still think that they needed a receiver somewhere in that draft class, and they could have gotten someone like uh, Brandon Ayuk I'm pretty sure he was still left, right?
0: Yeah, he was. they got yeah. picked later by the 49ers.
2: Uh-huh. And that would have been a great pick for them. I just, It's just a really bad draft class by the Packers.
0: Yeah, I think I agree. It was confusing to um, put it in a good way. Uh, Luke, who was your loser for this year's draft?
1: Uh, my loser. This is a this is an easy one for me. The Philadelphia Eagles were my loser, <clears throat> and uh, they they come in and we all know how brutal Eagles fans can be, and. They came in, they drafted a quarterback. That was not a popular move by fans in the second round. And in the first round, they drafted not the best available wide receiver. It's tolerable, and everybody is kind of just going to treat it that way. But it wasn't the best move. Uh, A lot of people are calling for their GM, Hallie Roseman, to be fired. And obviously,
0: that's certainly not a winning draft. So I, I would have to say that they're a loser. Yeah, I think they did, just didn't do – with their picks, they didn't do too well. It's just not all, all around just not a very good draft in my opinion. Um, I had the Pittsburgh Steelers, and this was partly not their fault because they had limited draft capital. But then, you, again, you could argue that having limited draft capital was their fault. They didn't, only had two top three-round picks, no first-rounders. Their top overall selection was Chase Claypool, ride right out from Notre Dame. Well, who, he is a good player. I just don't think he's the kind of difference maker that the Steelers needed as they are not quite in rebuild, but they're not quite a playoff team either. So they really needed a couple difference makers mm-hmm. and they yeah. weren't able to get them. And Chase Claypool was a guy that was coming into the draft and a lot.
2: I can't. Was he was he going from tight end to receiver or receiver to tight end? Um,
0: uh, he's I'm not sure. listed as a receiver, I believe. So.
2: I think he. There were some questions that he might try, transition to tight end, and obviously, the, I don't think the Steelers need to fill the tight end spot. So a guy, I don't think he's the fastest guy, and I just he's not much of a flashy guy. I think that the Steelers should have been looking for someone like that, someone to complement Juju a little better. And they didn't have any top picks, like you said, Calvin. So they really couldn't
0: fill those needs. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate the Claypool pick, but it's just there's more. But the guys that they didn't get a difference maker really. My mm-hmm. And I think Denzel Mims was still left on the board
2: when, uh, when they took Claypool, so I think that was a bad selection. I think Denzel Mims is a, a much better guy to go with.
0: Yeah, that was a good pick by Adam Gase. Um, mm-hmm. Not something you say often, but a good pick by Adam Gase. There's almost no like yeah. more on it.
2: Nothing seems to go great with Adam
0: Gase. Yeah, and we've talked about that before, but it bears repeating. Um, now we'll go into some fantasy-relevant players for 2020 because that's obviously what our podcast is about. And so we put together some quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers that we're going to talk about that we think could have fantasy impacts in 2020. And we'll start with the most obvious quarterback, Joe Burrow. He's going to the Cincinnati Bengals like everyone thought. He's got some weapons, not the greatest offensive line. But I want to know what you guys think about Burrow. Luke, we'll start with you. What do you think about Burrow's fantasy prospects for 2020? Do you think he could try, attempt to be, and maybe even become a top 12 QB?
1: Oh, yeah, I definitely think that he's capable of that. I mean, when you watch him at LSU last season, he was absolutely spectacular, set as many records as you want to find in the books, and he he was a great player at LSU. I think that he'll continue that. That's why he was the first overall pick, and um, he, he has the potential to be something very, very, very good in the
0: league this year and for years to come. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, Chris, what do you think about Burrow?
2: I think he has a chance to crack the QB1 range as far as fantasy goes, but I think this is an even better NFL pick. I mean, he's definitely the future for the Cincinnati Bengals. I think I think basically everyone thought that he would go number one. I mean, it's the best player on the board, and I think that this kind of boosts the entire Bengals offense as well, and so I just think that He's going to be a good fantasy guy, a better NFL guy, and then in the future you're going to see his fantasy value jump up as well.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think he could crack the uh, top 12 QB1 tier. Um, I think he's definitely capable of that. He's got the talent. He's got the weapons. Mm -hmm. So I think he could do that. And um, the Bengals, by the way, a team that got left off of our winner's list, but they did pretty well in their draft. Um, Yeah. Next uh, quarterback that went off the board at number five was Tua Tagovailoa, who went to the Dolphins. And I think his main concern is the injury risk. But Chris, we'll start with you this time. Uh, Do you think that Tua can overcome that and become fantasy relevant in 2020? Yeah, I think this is the most
2: interesting guy. I think we can see Joe Burrow definitely becoming fantasy relevant. But Tua is a big question mark. I mean, they still have Ryan Fitzpatrick there. And I think it would be best for the Dolphins to allow Tua to sit back for one year and watch Ryan Fitzpatrick. Even though we don't know Fitzpatrick is one of the greats. He's not an Eli Manning that Daniel Jones was studying under. Or someone like uh, Drew Brees that Teddy Bridgewater was study, studying under. But I do think that that'll be good for him. So I don't think that he's going to have too much of a fantasy value this year because I don't think he'll be playing that much. But maybe towards the end of the season, if Fitzpatrick starts to struggle, we could see him enter. And then I think he could be a play to term, depending on the matchup and depending on your quarterback situation in your league. So that's a possibility to look out for. I don't think he's going to go drafted. or there – I could see drafting him, but I don't know if it's the greatest decision.
0: Yeah, it's just it. It a lot of people were buzzing about maybe Tua would drop on draft night. A lot of late mock drafts had him dropping. He wound up not dropping, but a lot of some some teams, an executive or a scout, I think, said that they people would be surprised by how many teams prefer Justin Herbert purely talent wise over Tua. So that's an interesting point to look at as well. Luke, do you think Tua could be relevant this year, or if not, in future years in the NFL?
1: Um, I'll say no to the first, but yes to the second. This year, I feel like he is gonna have to split time with um, Josh Rosen uh, over in South Beach, but in the next couple of years, I feel like he could he can uh, really pick it up, uh, take some time off of that injury because in three, four years as long as he stays healthy for that amount of time, the injury this season will be way way in the rearview mirror for him this year. I would draft him in your fantasy drafts, but this for, for the coming years, uh, I would certainly consider it.
0: Yeah, I think. Um, by the way, Josh Rosen no longer with the Dolphins. He, he would be competing oh, oh, to, with. Um, no, it's fine. Uh, he'd be competing with time uh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick for time, but mm-hmm. I think um, to to his, I just don't know if he can overcome his injury risk even without the injury that ended his season last year at Alabama, I think he's had various injuries throughout his college career, and that's really just going to affect his value um, in the NFL. And I don't know if – I think he has the talent to become a fantasy-relevant quarterback in as soon as 2021, maybe even 2020, but I just don't know if he can overcome the injury mm-hmm. risk. Yeah. It just doesn't seem uh, uh, durable enough. And that injury risk, I think, is going to
2: keep Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm for most of this season. I think that they don't – they want to kind of – play it safe, let that uh, injury fully heal up, make sure that he's ready to go for next year, give him some time to get used to an NFL offense, learn the Dolphins playbook. And I think Brian Flores, who I really like as a coach, is going to understand this. I think he's going to make the right decisions
1: with Tua.
0: Yeah, I think um, I agree. Uh, It's just – it's a very interesting situation, and you have to wonder what will happen. You have got to hope the best for him, but it's possibly that the best may not happen. And, uh, yeah. So I think – Oh, and also, sorry, Luke. He actually still is with the Dolphins, so you were correct. Um, yeah, I just, I
1: just I just looked it up with you. I was like, oh, maybe he just got cut today or something.
0: Yeah, no, that was my fault. So, um, I don't know why I thought he wasn't. I don't
1: know. If, I don't know if Josh Rosen will be the starter though. I think
2: I'd go with Ryan Fitzpatrick next year, but yeah, I mean, yeah so that's I kind just, of up just, for debate.
1: I wrote an article on Josh Rosen yesterday, and uh, I really do feel bad for him at this point because. You, get, you lose in the NFL draft the second year in a, in a row. You, you you get replaced the second year in a row.
0: Yeah. It's so just, he,
1: might, he might not even see the field this season.
0: Yeah, he was not drafted into a good situation, that's for sure, with Arizona and then getting traded to Miami. So that's just a tough, tough yeah, career.
2: Rough career, yeah.
0: Yeah. And so our last quarterback to discuss is Justin Herbert. And I think he's got the weapons to succeed, but I just don't know if talent-wise he has enough. Luke, do you think that he will be able to succeed in
1: 2020? Who is this, Herbert? Or, yeah, uh, Herbert. Herbert. Uh, I really do like Justin Herbert. He reminds me of Josh Allen a lot with the bigger frame and the mobility, um, ability to take off out of the pocket. But, I mean, I feel like I, I, I like his talent. Uh, he's, he's a really good player. And he's he's honestly somebody that I think that you should keep out and uh, look out for in your fantasy drafts yeah Mm
0: -hmm. I I think even even if talent or not which is debatable and I see what you mean Luke about how he can succeed in the NFL um either way he still's got the weapons to do it so I think he could end up being fantasy relevant and end up being drafted in many leagues Chris what what do you Mm -hmm. think about Herbert
2: yeah so the only thing is uh obviously the Chargers have Tyrod Taylor and there was a lot of buzz that the Chargers actually really like Tyrod Taylor but I'd consider that more of a smokescreen going into the NFL draft I think now with Justin Herbert on the squad you there's a good chance that you'll see him playing next season I mean he's a silent leader and I think that that can work well as a quarterback I mean he's I think he can really command a locker room even though he's known as someone that's quiet and I think that a lot of players are going to be happy seeing him lead the team and the Chargers have solid enough weapons that I think that he could be um, a fantasy-relevant QB if he plays.
0: Yeah, um, I, I would agree with that. I just think, it, yeah, the, there's the QB competition, which all rookies have to deal with except Joe Burrow, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, now we'll get into our would-you-rather question. So we, put to, we got a one would-you-rather question for each group of rookies, and a, or actually more than one for wide receiver got two, and a, most of them are comparing a rookie to another player who is already in the NFL. So for fantasy, who would you guys rather have? And uh, Luke, we'll start with you. Joe Burrow or Ryan Tannehill?
1: Oh, it's got to be Joe Burrow. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, this is the guy, they hand off the ball like 60% of the time. So Derek Henry is somebody to keep your eye out for. Ryan Tannehill, now he will have a full season of being a starting quarterback for the Titans, who are a playoff team. And I don't feel like he will be the guy for the Titans. While I do think that Joe Burrow will be the guy for the for the Bengals, so I'd have to go with Burrow here.
0: Yeah, this one's such a tough one because it's um it, it's sort of the safe player versus the not so safe player. Chris, who have you got?
2: I've actually got Ryan Tannehill here. I think this is a really good comparison though because I mean in as players, Joe Burrow and Ryan Tannehill have very similar play styles. I think Ryan Tannehill is a little more proven. I think he really stepped onto the scene last year. He did really well under that Titans offense. He really worked well with that playbook. And I mean, he was a pro bowler, and I think a lot of people forget that. After just playing a few games, I mean, he totally burst onto the scene. And I think that this year is going to be even bigger than the last. I've been finding him as a later guy in a lot of the drafts, and I've been really happy to scoop him up, even as my QB one, not even sometimes is my backup, depending on who I have. But I mean, he's just a guy that I really like. I think that Derrick Henry obviously is going to stretch the field for him. I like AJ Brown going into next year; he's a really good deep threat. And then they have a few other solid receivers to back up AJ Brown. So I think that he has a good chance to do really well. But on the other hand, Joe Burrow, I do think that he is going to be very fantasy relevant, like we talked about earlier. But I just don't think that he if there's too much risk with the taking a rookie quarterback for me to put up ahead of Ryan Tannehill.
0: Yeah, I think it's pretty. It, like I, yeah, Chris said it perfectly. It's the risk versus the uh, safe play. Um, I think I would take Burrow mainly because of the weapons he has, and I think that Ryan Tannehill's touchdown rate last year was absurd. It was like second behind Lamar Jackson in like touchdown per pa- per passes attempt. To so that's got to go down. That's got to be regression there. So I think that Burrow has a chance to really explode in 2020. The offensive line is a concern, but I think having A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins and Joe Mixon at running back will overcome that. I think that Burrow will be the slight pick. Although if you're looking for a safer guy, I would go with Tanner. And now we'll okay. move on to running back. And so we've got a, – there's a bunch of guys here um, who could be relevant, but I think there's really one that sticks out. And I was really happy looking at the situation here. In fact, the more and more that I think about it, the more I love – Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in Kansas City. He is my number seventeen RB, and I think he has potential to be a top ten RB. Chris, where would you put Edwards-Hilaire in your twenty twenty rankings?
2: I think I'd have him as a back end running back too. The only reason I wouldn't trust him as that fifteen and sixteen spot that you've you've had him up at Calvin is that because he Andy Reid likes to run a running back committee. I mean, every single year that Andy Reid has been a coach, we've seen him run a committee. I mean, we've seen over the last few years, LaShawn McCoy, Damian Williams, uh, what's his name? Uh, there's been other guys. I mean, we've seen a lot of running backs there in Kansas City, and they've all kind of worked together. And I think Damian Williams is too talented to leave out of that offense, so I think Andy Reid is still going to find a way to include him. So I don't see Edwards Hilaire getting all of the workloads. That's why I can't put him as high as you have him, Calvin. But I do really like him going into next season.
0: Okay, Luke, what about you? Um,
1: I mean, I – I like Edward Hilaire. I I like the player. I didn't particularly like the pick at 32 because um, there was so many better options. I feel like Jonathan Taylor was there. J.K. Dobbins was there. But I do also like Edward Hilaire as a running back. So this season, I would hold off on drafting him in your fantasy drafts. But for the next couple of seasons, he might might turn into like a – a hot spot for
0: fantasy points. Yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. sure if I love the pick either. It might not have been the best pick. But I think Edward Solaire, I would disagree that I think his fantasy value is higher than what both of you do. And I think because of his pass-catching ability, which is so important in today's NFL, I think he can really take over a backfield. And, Chris, I don't know if I agree that Andy Reid hasn't produced good RVs. He's gotten guys like Jamal Charles, Kareem Hunt, Sean McCoy, like in uh, 2010 and 2011, well, who have all I'm, been great running backs, as not, and not in a committee, really. So I, I think mean, that Clyde Edwards-Helaire is talented enough to be in this role.
2: Yeah, I just think that Damien Williams is going to take away from that pass cal- catching ability of Edwards-Helaire. I think he's going to remain more of the pass catching back, and then I think he's still going to get a few carries. And I mean, you have to remember that Edwards-Helaire is a rookie, and he wasn't the top guy on a lot of scouts' boards. So you have to remember that there's probably he's not something super special i mean if he's not going as the number one running back consistently across all boards then there could be a little trouble there but i do like him next year
0: so would you think here's a question then um do you think he's the top running rookie running back in for 2020 fantasy mm. yes i would yeah i definitely would agree but i think I, I would probably put him farther ahead of other guys than you um but i because i just i think he'll be able to take over the backfield but it mm-hmm. is a very debatable point. Um, next running back here for the Indianapolis Colts is Jonathan Taylor, who could be in a timeshare with Marlon Mack, and most likely will be of some sort. We just don't know how big of a timeshare it will be. So, uh, Luke, what do you do you like Jonathan Taylor for twenty twenty, and uh, where would you rank him about in your uh, in any in fantasy rankings?
1: Um, in fantasy running back rankings, I'd probably uh, put him at like. 10-15 range, but I do like Jonathan Taylor a lot. Um, remind me again, what team you Colts, right? Yeah, Colts. Um, I mean, that's a good situation. You have Marlon back there, of course, but so they're going to split time, or they might run a, a two-running back backfield there in Indy, but uh, he'll, he'll do well this season. Uh, another one of those guys that I think if you give him pretty 40 years, he's going to do really well. He's going to be in the top 10.
0: Yeah, I think um, definitely a top 10 RB in the future. But I think I've uh, looked around and I have seen people who do value him as maybe even close to a top 15 RB Could this coming year. I wouldn't put him there, I don't think, because I'm a little worried and I don't think Marlon Mack will come out of the offense, but he's gonna be the type of player who in a couple of years takes over that backfield and becomes a franchise running back and maybe goes into R B one territory for a solid few years and a nice career. Mm-hmm. Chris yeah. Taylor.
2: The thing about Marlon Mack is that I've had him on my fantasy team multiple years. I think it's been two years in a row that I've had him. So I've noticed that Marlon Mack does not get a lot of yards. I mean, his yards per carry is very low, but he's really good in the red zone. And what keeps him alive is his touchdown ability. And so I think that that's going to hurt Jonathan Taylor because I think that Marlon Mack is going to be more of the red zone guy. So I think that he's not going to be scoring as many touchdowns. But I do like Jonathan Taylor as a sleeper guy that you can maybe pick up later in your draft, especially if he falls a little bit. And then he has a chance to kind of take over Marlon Mack's spot. And Marlon Mack has been a solid producer of fantasy points.
0: Yeah, he's been solid. His, yeah, Like you said, his yard per carry hasn't been too great. And uh, it's just frustrating sometimes because when you think of rookies, you're like, oh, if only they had the backfield, they'd be so good. And we don't know exactly when Jonathan Taylor will be able to take over this backfield. Mm-hmm. And so now another guy who's very fantasy relevant. I think there's Really four, maybe five guys in this class that are very fantasy relevant. I would argue that it's four. And we'll go to the third here is DeAndre Swift, who is in another timeshare with Carrion Johnson in um, Detroit. But I believe he is supposed to be the lead back heading into 2020. And I do like him this year. Um, I'm not exactly sure how much yet, but I think that he is a nice player and maybe in sort of a, you could draft him in sort of a flex range. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, I think that uh, DeAndre Swift has a chance to be solid. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be this year. I mean, I think that in a few years, he will be that he will be that guy. But right now, I think that Kerryon Johnson is too good of a guy to leave out of that offense. I still like Kerryon Johnson probably, a I mean, in the same range as someone like DeAndre Swift. I just, I mean, the Lions offensive line isn't great. Not everything fits really there. I don't think that that team is developed enough to be able to support a fantasy, a very fantasy relevant running back, and definitely not two r- fantasy relevant running backs in Carryon and Swift. So I don't think that he has a ton of value, but I do think that he has some, and he's worth a late round flyer. I think.
0: Yeah, I was disappointed about the number of carries he was getting in Detroit. Um, Luke, what would you, what do you think about Swift?
1: I mean, uh, as you said, he's going to be splitting time and splitting carries with Carryon Johnson, but. Uh, overall, I really, really like DeAndre Swift at Georgia. Uh, he got much. I think he'll get more carries at Georgia than he will in Detroit, but he's still going to be really good, I think. Uh, overall, he's just a really good running back.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's a solid all-around guy, not jumping off the table at any particular spot like Jonathan Taylor. I think he's not bad at anything either. So he's a solid guy, and this next guy, Chris, wrote on our note sheet with three exclamation points. Who we forgot. I don't know if he's going to be more, much more than a handcuff. I think he'll split time with Mark Ingram, but a carrying the amount of carries that go to him with Lamar Jackson running. I don't know if that makes J.K. Dobbins too fast relevant, but Chris, since you just typed him in just now, what do you think about J.K. Dobbins?
2: I mean, I actually really like J.K. Dobbins. I think that he's going to surprise people. I think Mark Ingram is going to have some regression. Mark Ingram is actually getting a little bit older. He's becoming more of a veteran. So I do think that J.K. Dobbins has a good chance to actually get more carries than I think a lot of people are expecting. He's a really talented guy that I actually think fell a little bit. I was surprised to see him go as the fourth RB. I kind of expected him to go as the third, but I do understand with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire who I had as my fourth going ahead of him but I think that he's gonna have more fantasy value than people think he's definitely a guy that you can look for in those final three or four rounds of your fantasy draft and see if people are letting him fall if people are letting rookies fall then there's a good chance that you'll see him later in the draft so he's a good guy to watch out for
0: I think he's another guy for me where I like his potential in future years but I don't love it whereas Edwards Hilaire and Taylor, I do love their potential in future years. Just because when I had Mark Ingram on my fantasy team last year, he was pretty good, but I was just frustrated about the amount of carries he was getting. He was getting like twelve carries consistently game after game, which is okay, but it's not necessarily enough to put up big games all the time. So it was frustrating watching him not be able to live up to his full potential with Lamar Jackson Mm -hmm. there. And I think J.K. Dobbins will Lamar
2: Jackson, I think he's gonna start to develop and I think this year he's gonna take step a step forward in the passing game. I think that over in the future he'll become a little bit more of a passing back because we saw him run so much last year I don't think that he's going to be able to do that consistently without getting injured so I think that the Ravens are going to realize that and kind of take a step back on the QB run so I think that could leave a little more room in the running game for running backs and so I'm actually going to have to disagree with you about not loving J.K. Dobbins in the future I think that he actually has a really good chance to do really well
0: in that Ravens offense. Yeah I think is I still feel that he is not the be- not the best running back in this class. And in terms of fantasy, I think he might be. I might even put him fifth best because there's four guys I do like this year. But Luke, uh, we haven't said you haven't said about J.K. Dobbins yet, and we've we haven't gone to you about it yet. So what do you think about him for 2020?
1: I actually agree with you, Calvin, because I mean the Ravens are a very very run heavy offense right now. I mean, they have receivers. They drafted Devin Newvernay, too, out of Texas. But J.K. Um, Dobbins, you've got Mark Ingram, who's going to get the majority of the carries. Lamar Jackson is going to QB me sneaking and scramble, stuff like that. So, I mean, the I like the pick in, itself in the NFL draft, but I would steer clear of drafting him in, the, in the fantasy. But I was extremely surprised that L.A., uh, the LA Rams went with Cam Akers from Florida State over J.K. Dobbins. I was extremely surprised about that.
0: Yeah, I was surprised as well. But I that, I don't think that takes away from Akers' fantasy value, who we'll oh, lead yes. it to right now. I think Akers is a guy who is going to take over for, from Daryl Henderson pretty quickly. I think Daryl Henderson is overrated, just I'll put it bluntly. And I think that throughout last year, he was overrated. And when he got touches, he wasn't very productive. So I think Akers takes over and maybe gets borderline RB2 slash flex numbers for 2020. And uh, Luke, we'll start with you. So I know you said you'd rather Dobbins over Akers, and I think I would too in terms of a draft pick. Um, But what do you think about Akers purely for fantasy on Los Angeles in 2020?
1: Um, I mean, he's going to an environment, again, where Todd Gurley is out. Um, I don't even know if they have C.J. Henderson still there or not. Um. It's which kinda of proves my point anyways that we that he hasn't we, he hasn't been mentioned very much. Cam Akers I feel like he's gonna get carries. I feel like when this is all said and done, when we are getting ready to do the redrafts next March and next April, Cam Akers will go higher on our boards uh, than we than we expected because he's gonna end up getting a lot of carries, a lot of yards per carry and stuff like that. So I feel yeah. like
0: he's a good pick. Daryl Henderson is still there, but not maybe not for long. I don't think he'll be too relevant next year. Chris, um, what do you think about Akers' uh, his fantasy value for 2020?
2: Yeah, I I, th- I will say that I think Akers has a better chance to be more fantasy relevant than J.K. Dobbins. I think Dobbins is still a guy that you look for, but Akers, I, I don't know if he's the greatest running back. That's the main problem I had with him. I mean, he wasn't going very high on draft boards, and I just don't like him that much. I mean – He wasn't a guy that you heard about a ton, and when just watching him, I didn't think he was something insanely special, like someone like Clyde Edwards, O'Leary, or Jonathan Taylor. So I think that as a player, that actually hurts his fantasy value just because I don't think that he's a great player in general.
0: Yeah, I think he's a little bit underrated. I don't know if he's enough underrated to take him over J.K. Dobbins. I don't think he is. But I think the Rams do see something in him, and I think that would justify maybe him being productive in fantasy. He's one of those later round running backs, I think, that could still be productive. Maybe like a Devin Singletary of this year. Um, mm-hmm. Although I hope he scores more touchdowns than Devin Singletary. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, I think I might be a little against Cam Akers just because I, I do not like Florida State. Just They're just one of those teams that I do not like in college. But, I mean, I just – I don't see it, him bursting onto the scene, like someone like Clyde Edwards, helaire Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, and maybe even J.K. Dobbins would.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can see that, but I think I still like him. Uh, it's it's funny, yeah, those, those teams that nobody likes in college. For football, it's Florida State and Alabama, except obviously their fans, just the teams that win a lot. Although Florida State has not been winning much lately. Basketball has got to be too.
1: They had a very, very bad season this year.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. they've had actually a couple bad seasons now, which is not boding well for them. But mm-hmm. um, Good for um, me. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, good good for the rest of the college teams, wh- whoever we can eliminate as fast as we can. Um, mm-hmm. Next running back is, and the last one I think is the least fantasy relevant. I don't think you'll see Zach Moss being much more than a guy in a timeshare who I think Devin Singletary is talented enough to keep him mostly out of the backfield, although I think he'll get some touches, enough to hurt fantasy owners and give Singletary maybe one touchdown instead of his usual two or three. So, mm-hmm. uh, Luke, do you like Zach Moss for this year, or are you in the same boat as I am?
1: Oh, I'm in the same mud as you. I don't think that he's gonna do very well this this season. Uh environment in Utah, he had a, he was almost the sole reason that Utah was so good and so projected to be good this season. And now he's going to the Bills. He's obviously gonna be a playoff team. As I said on my show yesterday, uh he will that he will be in the playoffs because uh the Bills are easy AFC East champions, but Zach Moss. Devin Singletary is there, as you said. Uh, I, don't, I don't see this being a great year for Zach Moss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think
2: Devin Singletary is also a guy that's very underrated. I actually really like him going into next year, so I was surprised to see the Bills take Zach Moss. I think Devin Singletary is a young guy that I think has a chance to do, really step into that
0: top of the running back to range over the next two years. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, It's this, if he gets the backfield. I think he can be good, and he is a talented guy. It's just Singletary is also a very talented player, um, one who does not score touchdowns. But we will have our RB comparison here, and I think this is an interesting one because I think um, – I don't know if we're going to agree on this. Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to go against my favorite, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, because he's facing Miles Sanders. What do you guys think? Cly- Would you take Clyde Edwards-Alaire or Miles Sanders in fantasy?
2: Miles Sanders here I think he's just a guy that's has so much potential going into next year I mean he's not necessarily I know some people like him a bit more than I do but I still like him going into next year I think that he has a good chance to be really good I think it's good that the Eagles actually added some receivers because it'll allow teams to not have to to have to put some of their corners and not be able to stack the box as much so I think that Miles Sanders really steps up and while I do think Clyde Edwards Hilaire Will be really good. I don't think that he reaches Sanders'
0: range. Yeah, I think I agree. Luke, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, couldn't agree more. Miles Sanders is far and away the better, the better player for now. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, for I, now. Later, I would. I think in a season or two, I might go with Edward Zelaya. Sanders, I think, just the one drawback. He hasn't really had uh the backfield to himself before, and I think Boston Scott could take some touches, but I think he's still the better pick, the safer pick. And I think it's pretty close, though. I really like Clyde Overdellaire. I'm going to be looking to get him in my draft for sure. If I don't, I'm going to be pretty sad. But we'll move on to wide receiver now. In one of the best wide receiver classes we've had in years in this NFL draft, we've had three guys who are, like, far and away, like, great studs. Then there's, like, more who are great players who would have, could have been drafted in the first round in some other years. There are probably eight or nine different guys who could have been drafted in the first round if it was a different year in my opinion. But we'll start with, I think, the most talented, although it's very close, Jerry Judy, who is on the Broncos with Courtland Sutton and now KJ Hamler, who they also drafted. So I think those two guys limit Judy's fantasy value as well as their situation at quarterback with Drew Locke. But Luke, do you still have enough confidence that Jerry Judy can produce in fantasy in
1: 2020? Oh, yeah. I mean, again, I have some bias here uh, because I'm a Broncos fan, but I feel like it could be a good season for Jerry Judy and the and uh, he's going to go to a, a situation where he will be either the, fir- the best or the second best wide receiver on the team. So, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, Luke, do you think that Drew Locke can support someone like Jerry Judy, though, and support his fantasy value?
1: Um, That's interesting. Uh, I mean, to have a rookie quarterback, or I keep saying rookie, he's going into a sophomore season, but he is young, and, he, and we have a very, very small sample size of what he's capable of, so um, I'll hold off and answer that in like week six of the season and see uh, yeah. if we can get a bigger sample size. Um, of what he's capable of.
2: Yeah, I would totally agree with not really. We can't really take a look at Drew Locke and determine how he can support someone like Jerry Judy
0: yet because of, like you said, that small sample size. Yeah, I think there. It depends sometimes because I think the very best wide receivers are so good. That they can support themselves even with a bad quarterback like DeAndre Hopkins, Mm -hmm. who's clearly top tier and has supported himself with other guys there who aren't as talented as Deshaun Watson or now Kyler Murray, who is his new quarterback. But I think it remains to be seen whether Jerry Judy is one of those guys. I think he has the talent, but um, I think he'll be, you should probably draft him just outside of the flex range, maybe just outside of the top 30 range for 2020. I think that's what I would recommend as of right now. Mm -hmm. I would agree. And so now we'll go to the next talented wide receiver in this class, and also not the first one who was taken, Um, C.D. Lamb on the Cowboys, who I think it's going to be tough getting targets there with Michael Gallup because I think the Cowboys really do like Michael Gallup. But, Chris, do you think he'll manage to get enough targets there so that he can be relevant in 2020? I actually don't I think that Amari
2: Cooper is really good and Michael Gallup is another guy that I really not like next year I mean I don't like Gallup as much with the Lamb coming onto the team but I think that Gallup will still be able to have a solid season I don't think that leaves much room for CD Lamb I do think that Lamb will have that big playability and he is replacing uh, Randall Cobb at slot and so that obviously gives him some room to play. He'll be the slot receiver, I'm going to guess, for the Cowboys. But we haven't seen someone like Randall Cobb really have much of an impact on the Cowboys offense. So I don't know if CeeDee Lamb is is talented. Or actually, I wouldn't say talented. But I don't think if he'll be able to burst onto, the, burst onto the scene as a rookie and take over that spot and do a better job than someone like Randall Cobb did.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's very talented, obviously, and I think he's more talented mm-hmm. than Randall yeah. Cobb. But he can line up in the slot. He can line up outside so he can fill the void of Cobb. I just don't know if he'll be good enough because I think Prescott, Dak Prescott will still rely on Michael Gallup. And another thing to consider, the rookies really don't have time to meet with their quarterbacks because of this pandemic right now. So mm-hmm. I think that J- J- C.D. Lamb and Dak Prescott may not have that good of a rapport when the season starts, and he might just be looking for Michael Gallup like he did late last season. And by the way, Dak Prescott is going to be the number three fantasy QB this year. But I uh, think CeeDee Lamb. Bold, I, very bold. But I, like, With C D Lamb? No, I think this is pretty clear now. Uh, I'd still take
2: anyway. Wilson. I think I'd still take Wilson there. But
0: I think that's for another day. That's for another day. Wilson's underrated, but I would go with Prescott. I think, but Lamb is just so good. Um, And so is Judy, honestly. Lamb's ball tracking ability is amazing. But I just mm-hmm. think he won't get enough targets to make yeah. it.
2: I mean, if you watch some of the clips from the NFL Combine, CeeDee Lamb is just amazing at high-pointing the ball. He just goes up there and get it. I mean, in one of those drills where you uh, fade route to the, end, to the corner of the end zone, I mean, watching him grab those balls, it was just amazing. So I think that he has a really good potential next year.
0: Um, yeah, so the next one is Henry Ruggs, who the Raiders drafted. And so – He's sort of a speedster. I think he's more well-rounded than people think, but I still think that was the wrong pick by the Raiders, making the first wide receiver off the board. But now that the Raiders drafted uh, – I believe they drafted Lynn Bowden and uh, Brian Edwards as well. That's a pretty crowded wide receiver field all of a sudden. I don't know. Do you guys think Henry Ruggs will have any fantasy impact this year? I think Henry Ruggs will actually have some fantasy
2: impact. I don't think as much as Jerry Judy or C. Lamb. But I don't think – one guy that I really don't like is Lynn Bowden because he was a quarterback – in college I mean he played for Kentucky well he was originally a receiver and then when the Kentucky quarterback got hurt he stepped in and he basically ran the ball every single time so I think he's a guy that you're not going to see really have much impact on other receivers because he'll be swapping in and out of quarterback running back and receiver sort of a Taysom Hill type player so I don't think he affects Ruggs that much but I do think that uh, Ruggs will be impacted by Tyrell Williams because I think Tyrell Williams is a little better than some people think but rugs will still have some fantasy value even if it's not too much
0: all right yeah i think uh, it's just so hard to determine because with the crowded the crowded wide receiver field with all the options they suddenly have how Derek carr likes to spread the ball around although he hasn't really had a number one receiver so that could be partly why luke uh do you think what do you think about henry rugs oh uh, yeah
1: i think that i think that henry rugs will i actually i agree with chris here i think that I think that he will have an impact, but not as much of an impact as a guy like CeeDee Lamb or a guy like Jerry Judy. But Henry Ruggs, he's going to the Raiders, and um, I can't really think of the, like a wide receiver that's going to threaten his amount of of uh, catches and mm-hmm. stuff like
2: that. So I mean, Yeah, I think Williams is the only one, but he's just not that good.
0: So yeah, it's a star-studded wide receiver group of Tyrell Williams, Hunter Renfro, Nelson Aguilar, Lynn Bowden and Brian Edwards, along with Henry Ruggs. That's the best in the league for sure. Oh, that's ugh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not something to uh, be. I mean, proud they're probably of, don't gonna, think.
1: they're probably going to end up running a two tight end offense because they've got they just acquired uh, Jason Witten and they have I'm um, blanking Waller. on his name.
0: Yeah, and Aaron they have Waller. Waller as well.
1: Waller, that's right.
0: So uh, yeah, they could. They probably should run a two tight end offense. No need getting as many many of those guys on the field as you can. Um, I would rather get Jason Witten, Darren Waller, maybe even Foster Moreau, who I was so agitated with last year in fantasy because he kept stealing touchdowns from Darren Waller. Um, But he's an impact player, and the Raiders like to use him. So we'll move on. we got three more wide receivers before our would-you-rather comparisons. Um, And we'll start out with Jalen Rager, who went to the Philadelphia Eagles at 21 – I think this is a good pick. Baker's sort of like Alshon Jeffrey. I think he can sort of—I don't know if he'll make an impact, but I think with the not much of not many wide receivers in Philly, I think that he could emerge, maybe even as the wide receiver two or three behind Deshaun Jackson. Do you, Chris, do you think he'll have any relevance, and do you think he'll get enough targets to have relevance?
2: I mean, as a speedster, I think I see him kind of fitting the role that Nelson Aguilar played last season, but. I mean, I think that the Eagles needed a speedster in Rager. I don't think that, I think he's going to be, some people think he might have to compete with Deshaun Jackson, but I think they'll both fill sort of different roles, even though they're both deep threats, but I don't see him having too much of value. I think he's right around the range of rugs as well. I think those two guys, very similar play styles. They'll both kind of be around the same fantasy relevance, which I don't think is too much. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take them as a late round flyer. I mean, unless they're dropping to like the last round, but they still have some fantasy potential. I wouldn't say that it's necessarily going to show this year, but maybe in the future
1: years. It
0: yeah, it's um a lot of these guys later. They didn't get drafted into the best situations, and there's so many of them that it's uh their wide receiver groups are bound to be crowded sometimes. Luke, uh, do you think? Do you like Jalen Rager next year?
1: Uh, yeah, I do. I didn't. I didn't necessarily like the pick to the Philadelphia Eagles, but. Um, you know it, it is what it is, and uh, the Eagles are going to have a guy here where the, he's going to get touches a lot. I mean, the Eagles certainly had an obvious wide receiver issue this season mm-hmm. with Nelson Aguilar. I mean, there was the Eagles fans were making fun of how Aguilar could not catch the ball, mm-hmm. and uh, Rieger can catch the ball, and he's going to get a lot of a lot of uh, care er, not cares, catches this season so he's something to, he's someone to keep an eye out for maybe pick him up mid-season if he's still there which he might not be
0: but yeah I think um it's kind of funny though because say what you will about the Raiders receiving room when guys were hurt last year in Philly their number one receiver was Greg Ward Jr and I didn't even hadn't even heard of him before this season so that just shows you how many injuries they had and how thin they were at the position um We'll move on to a guy I really like this year. And I think he could actually, bold prediction here, could compete to be the number one rookie wide receiver this coming season, at least for this season. It's Justin Jefferson. And this is a perfect pick for the Vikings. Probably so great that they he dropped them for the Vikings late in the first round. He's going to be able to pair with Adam Thielen taking Stefan Diggs' role. And they really don't have wide receivers, unlike most teams who have guys who will compete. Their number three wide receiver is B.C. Johnson, who I also hadn't heard of until recently. I think that Justin Jefferson is such a perfect fit for that offense, and he's going to help out Cousins. And while he may not get the most targets, since that's more of a run-first offense, I think that he'll be get enough to be a top 35 wide receiver at least.
2: Yeah, Calvin, I'm gonna to have to disagree with you on this one. I don't think that Justin Jefferson is actually a perfect fit fit for the Vikings just because ninety-nine percent of the snaps that he played were in the slot, and Adam Thielen is obviously a slot receiver. So I think that that's gonna kind of those two are gonna kind of work against each other at some points in the season. I still think that he's gonna be up there with Jerry Judy for that top rookie fantasy receiver spot. But I just don't I actually don't love this pick for the Vikings, I would have loved to see them trade up from their number 22 spots like CeeDee Lamb because that would have just been a great move by them rather than waiting for someone like Jefferson because he's a 99% slot receiver. But I do think that he definitely has a good chance to be fantasy relevant.
0: I just think, but with Jefferson, he's Jefferson and Phelan, I think, are too talented to leave off the field. And I think they're going to figure something out. You make a good point, Chris, but I think they will be able to figure it out at least by the end of the season. And Jefferson will. Be able to get some sort of role in that offense, uh, Luke. Where are you okay. on Jefferson?
1: Um, I think that Justin Jefferson will um, do do very well. If you listen to my show at all, anybody uh, listens to my show on SportsCaster, I love Justin Jefferson. He was my second favorite prospect coming into the draft. That doesn't mean that he was my the best, but I think like I just really liked him. Um, LSU had great offensive weapons, but still, Justin Jefferson was able to come through and make a lot of catches, do a lot of great things this season. He has a 92.3% contested catch rate, um, so that he's going to bring those talents to uh, Minnesota, obviously getting rid of Stefan Diggs. And yeah, I think that Justin Jefferson is a great
0: piece to have for the uh, Vikings. Yeah, I feel like that contested catch rate could help him maybe transition to the outside to sort of replace Diggs' role on the outside. He could be sort of that deep ball guy to go with Adam Thielen that Diggs was before he departed. So um, I do like the pick, but I think it's a valid worry that he won't be able to adjust from the slot. And so our last wide receiver is T. Higgins, and the Bengals took him with the first pick of the second round. I think with A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd, that's a little bit crowded there in that wide receiver field. But I think if A.J. Green gets hurt, which he often does, T. Higgins could be a quality player. Luke, do you think T. Higgins has relevance this year? And if so, like, where, what is he, like, top 60, top 50? Where would you have
1: him? Uh, I would put him in the top 50 category. I haven't made my rankings for the next season yet. But, uh, yeah, I would say that he's top 50. Uh, he's going to be relevant because the Bengals obviously aren't that good. Uh, he's going to have a rookie quarterback, rookie – Oh, a big rookie team. I mean, the Bengals are very young now that they've come through with the draft. They had seven picks in the draft. They got a lot of players that were good. Um, so, yeah, he's coming into an environment. I like I like the way that the environment came in. A lot of the fans love the pick. So, I think that he's going to have a good year.
0: Yeah, I think this might be a better pick for the Bengals than it was for fantasy but I still think he has the chance to become relevant. And if A.J. Green comes out, he's a hot waiver wire pickup that I'll be looking for in the following week, um, in that fantasy week. Uh, Chris, do you like T. Higgins next year? Yeah, I do. I think I pretty much agree with
2: everything that you guys said. I mean, I think that he has a good chance to crack that top 50,
0: like Luke said. All right. So uh, we got two would-you-rather comparisons because we just had to do two because there were too many guys um, to compare. And so this is sort of an interesting one. It's two guys in the same division, Cowboys and Giants. And so we've got CeeDee Lamb or Darius Slayton. And Chris, we'll start with you. Uh, I'm going to go with Darius
2: Slayton here. I know this might come as a surprise, but I think that Darius Slayton is a really good guy. He's a guy to watch out for. I think that he's going to surprise a lot of people. I think with Andrew Thomas now to protect Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones is going to have more time to look downfield to Darius Slayton. And so I think that that's going to really help Slayton get some more yards in the passing game and some more touchdowns and I think Darius Slayton and you Jones really showed a connection in their
0: first year so I think that that'll be even better next year yeah I think um I would I would agree with that Darius Slayton I think will have a better connection I just think that with CeeDee Lamb he's more of the safer option and I think that Slayton's in such a crowded wide receiver field that includes Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate and then at tight end Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley will get some catches um so I just feel like um, it's just a little bit too – I don't know. It might be a little too much to ask that he'll produce in fantasy in 2020. I agree that he's a very talented player. And so I just think that uh, he, he'll be rele- more relevant for the Giants than he will for fantasy. What about you, Will? I mean, Will. Will? We had Will on our podcast six episodes ago. You should go check that out. It's about coronavirus. Um, but So, Luke, what do you think about um, Darius Slayton versus CeeDee Lamb?
1: Uh, this one's pretty easy for me, and I don't have a whole lot of explanation. Uh, C. D. Lamb, I just overall think that he's the more talented wide receiver.
0: Yeah, I just—he's—I well, think he's probably a little more talented. It's just, and he has slightly less crowded a uh, receiving field. Although there is an argument to be made for Slayton, I think. Um, the next comparison is between two rookie wide receivers, and we thought this one was really interesting. It's Jerry Judy or Justin Jefferson. Luke, we'll start with you this time.
1: This is an interesting one. I'm I'm torn because we have the player who plays for my favorite team and then my favorite wide receiver prospect. So I would say Jerry Judy is better and will be more fantasy relevant, but I personally
0: like watching
1: and like Justin Jefferson over him. Yeah, it's um,
0: it's really interesting comparison. For fantasy, it's so close. And I'm going to go with Jefferson here, and this might be a bold pick because what I talked about – um, I think that was he can be the wide receiver, too, in that offense. Maybe he's not used to playing out of slot. Maybe Adam Thielen's not used to playing out of slot, whoever they decide to move out. But I think he can get used to it, and I think he's talented enough to get used to it. And so, and again, Chris brought up a good point about the slot, but I just think that he will be able to slightly outproduce Jerry Judy, especially since Jerry Judy's with Cortland Sutton, K.J. Hamler, and an unproven quarterback. Uh, Chris, who would you have in this scenario? Yeah, I'm gonna have to make it two to one for
2: Jerry Judy. I think I agree with Luke here. I think Jerry Judy is really talented. I do like Justin Jefferson, but I think Jerry Judy is just a little bit more talented. I like the situation a little bit more just because I don't trust the combination of Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson both in the slot. But I think both of these guys could have impact seasons
0: in fantasy. Yeah, it's just they're both they're both definitely relevant. It's just who is more relevant. Speaking of relevancy or lack thereof, tight end, we decided we weren't really going to cover tight end, and it's not just because we're being lazy. It's just because we thought there was really nobody relevant in tight end that was drafted for fantasy. It's only really going to hurt the guys uh, that were already in the NFL based on the guys who were drafted. Cole Komet, the top tight end, was is behind Jimmy Graham technically on that depth chart. Even if he comes ahead, I don't think he'll be in the top 24 because of Mitchell Trubisky not really, really producing that much for tight ends. Um, I, Adam Troutman is only going to hurt Jared Cook. You another option to Drew Brees, but I think besides being maybe an occasional red zone target who steals a touchdown, I don't think he'll do too much. So, are, are, do you guys have any tight ends you want to talk about, or is, is would you agree?
2: Yeah, not really. I don't know if any of these tight ends are really going to be, they're definitely not going to be fantasy relevant this year. I don't even know if I trust someone like Cole Komet. I mean, he just wasn't my favorite to step in and be a guy in the future that you can trust in fantasy. But Definitely not this year, maybe in the coming years. But, yeah, there's not really
0: anything interesting coming out of this draft as far as tight ends go. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I guess that's it for our show. Thanks for downloading and listening as always. Uh, this is our fantasy football draft recap. Again, you can find Luke's show. It's called The Next Weekdays, 830 to 10 on Sportscaster. You should go check that out. Um, for our show, make sure to download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, listen, continue listening. If you have questions about fantasy football, email us secondandgoldfantasy@gmail.com, at gmail.com and your questions could be included in our listener mailbag episodes. Make sure to rate and review this podcast. Uh, we really enjoy coming on. We hope you'll support us um, in our endeavors. Um, thanks for listening and we will see you guys next time.